All right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. You want to get after this with the top five stories of the day? I think I'm ready. I I don't know if I've ever been more prepared for the top five stories of the day than I am today. <laughs> we got so much to get to. Uh, quick note, uh, and it's nothing quick about it. We're just hanging at Cavens, and we do this every single Thursday. Cavens Group has been in business for 30 years, you name it. Uh, they can help you with it. Emergency services 24-7, 365 from mold removal, emergency water extraction, emergency sewage cleanup, emergency board-ups. They have testing and investigation services, as well as maintenance. So in other words, maybe maybe you run a business where you've had to kind of consolidate your maintenance operations or you've just recently purchased properties of that nature. Well, well Cavens can take care of it all for you and They've got you covered. Maintenance commercial business, healthcare, retail, industrial, office, property management. Call them today, 405-573-3048 or online at cavensgroup.com. All right, let's go. Um, top five stories of the day. Giddy up. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. A Newcastle Casino is conveniently located off I-44 that is right there at exit 107 best reels in the metro and online at newcastlecasino.com you can learn about all of the great deals that they have to get you involved as a priority member and their rewards club they got it going and your rewards are waiting at a click of a link newcastlecasino.com all right um Big story number five. Number five. So we don't talk probably enough baseball on this show, but last night we had a couple of thrilling, dramatic walk-offs. Like, uh, how about a walk-off win for the Marlins? Sounded like this on the Marlins radio network. The 0-1 pitch. Here's a swing and a blooper. Left field. Base hit. The Marlins win it in the bottom of the 12. They have done it! Down 5 nothing. They storm all the way back! A little magic in Miami on a Wednesday! Sanchez the hero! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know he said down 5 nothing, but it almost sounded like down by nothing! <laughs> uh, that was a 9-8 win. In 12 over the Philadelphia Phillies. And then the the other walk-off came with the Nationals. Now the kick. Here's the pitch. Swing a ground ball. Chopped to third. They're going to throw home. The throw is wide off the glove of the catcher. Rolling the backstop. Here comes Vargas to the plate. He is saved. Two runs score on a ground ball to third. And a wild throw to the plate. And bang, zoom, a curly double. They mob Alex Cole for putting the ball in play and chopping it to the third base side. Fun night in baseball. Uh, Nationals beat the Brewers 3-2. That makes Toby Rowland happy because he can completely ignore the 16-6 loss for the Reds last night because Cincinnati stays in first place. But, Josh, you might notice there is a uh, there's a team whose highlights probably don't get played enough here on this year radio program slash network 
And, in fact, it was sad whenever I looked through our cut sheet today and I didn't have, oh, wait, never mind. I would like to personally apologize to the Fox Sports Radio cut sheet people who I thought did not include the greatness of quite possibly one of the hottest teams going in Major League Baseball. Drew on the left side, Bickford's next pitch is hit high in the air and deep to right. And McNeil to the wall and gone. Drew Waters got it in the air. How about your Kansas City Royals, Josh? Five straight wins. I saw Mike in Springfield checking in on the text line. Let's go. 34 wins on the season now. That's right. He's He's got his playoff tickets, he said. Uh, only 31 games under 500 now, and the run differential <laughs> is only minus 164. Oh, these numbers don't really matter. What matters is it's five straight wins. Uh, anyway, a lot of series wrapping up today. You've got, I think they're getting underway between the Phillies and the Marlins here in moments. Day baseball in Texas with the Rangers and the White Sox. Uh, your Royals go for six straight at 1 o'clock today and afternoon games in Toronto and San Francisco. All right, big story number four. Number four. National Football League returns tonight. The Browns and the New York Jets. Uh, anything in particular you've got your eyes on for tonight's game, Josh? I want to – but I ask you, and then I'm going to answer a question, so I apologize. But I'm actually – I'm kind of intrigued to see what Dorian Thompson-Robinson looks like. He was a guy that we saw a couple of years ago at UCLA, and he was a, what, fifth, sixth-round, maybe seventh-round draft pick of the Browns. I'm sure he's going to play part of the second half. You're not going to see the starters tonight, but I'm at least intrigued by that. Oh, and it's football. Sure. You know, I, I think just in general, seeing uh, seeing a live football game is uh, probably what I'm most in, intrigued in. Uh, the the backup wide receiver battle for the Browns, is, does that intrigue you? <laughs> Hold on. Let me see who that is. Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Elijah Moore. Yeah. Who's Top gonna, three. Who's, who's filling in behind them? Here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. Who's going to be the first person? that texts something after a play or, or I'm sorry, tweet something after a play. Like in other words, <laughs> I'm trying as I told you, this guy was going to be a star or this was my draft sleeper. And look what he's doing out there. Again. Every single game. All right. So that is, that is tonight. The return of the national football league, the Browns and the jets. It's a seven o'clock kick and it's on, NBC. All right, big story number three. Number three. I don't know where we are. I don't know who's going where, but it appears at the very least for the Pac-12 that it will get some sort of clarity tonight about whether or not they will continue on. Uh, John Wilner at Wilner Hotline, a guy that has covered the Pac-12 for years, says in a tweet about an hour ago, I expect the future of the Pac-12 to be determined in the next 24 to 36 hours. Uh, I don't know, Josh. I don't think you want to sign up for another streaming deal. Is there going to be an ESPN entity to this deal as well? I don't know. But it just it didn't seem to be a positive when they came out of their meeting this last week and there wasn't any kind of show of solidarity or support. No, and in fact, you know, the Big Ten leak, 
Right. That happened uh, following this. So I, you know, that to me is obviously not a very good sign at all. The report from Pete Thamel that came out like 20 minutes ago, I find to be pretty fascinating right now as well. Pete Thamel says, according to sources he's talked to, the Big Ten presidents met early Thursday and authorized Tony Petiti to explore expansion and bring them back more information on Oregon and Washington as potential Big Ten members. No offers have been made. Hmm. And... A deal is uncertain. Thamel adds, there's a political thicket with the potential additions because the moves don't offer the current Big Big Ten schools any additional money. And USC doesn't have a vote, but they've been vocal in the past about not wanting other West Coast Big Ten teams. Oregon and Washington would also have to come to terms with not getting a full share, which isn't a slam dunk from them. There's potential... But significant roadblocks remain. Hmm. Does it get done? Oh no. I don't I don't understand how this is a good now long term I do, because I think Oregon and Washington are very additive, but I don't know how long term the Big Ten's looking here. Cause it's a six year contract, but they don't add any more money. Now Kevin Warren had always said that they don't cost. It sounds like they don't cost anyone any money though, either, which is an important detail. Well, but um, not a lot. I mean, you add two more bodies, but if they're not getting a full share and if I'm Morgan in Washington, if I even get half a share, you realize half a share in the Big Ten is more than anyone else outside the SEC is making right now. That's right. Yes, they, they would jump. At a heartbeat, I think Oregon and Washington would jump in a millis a nanosecond. It's uh, it's like your your boy, you know, forecasted out there or tossed the theorized. Who who was it that said you know just a penny over what the Big Twelve's offering? Sure, oh, yeah. Andy Staples. Yeah, Andy so, Staples. So I mean, Staples, uh, he might have come up with the blueprint <laughs> for right. for what the Big Ten is is going to do, just because and the TV partners of the Big Ten are going to do, just because. Frankly, they've got the leverage to do that. Well, and and listen, gosh, here we go again. The TV partners might look at this and say, we'd much rather find a way to put Oregon and Washington in a league where we're going to get bangers, we're going to get great matchups, as opposed to losing our minds over, you know, are we going to, are we going to end up in a position that, you know, we don't have anyone? Let's say UC, I mean, UCLA is by no means some mega power in the West in football. But if you get Oregon and Washington, pretty good. You know, you might get yourself some big-time matchups. I think people would be more excited about Ohio State-Oregon than let, for, from a TV network perspective than they would say, dude, Oregon-Kansas State or, you know – Oregon, North Carolina State, I think, you know what, Josh? I think I've talked myself into this being a possibility to where Oregon and Washington can say, all right, well, when that next TV deal comes up in six years, we want to be a full share. But for now, we'll gladly take a half a share. And maybe you go to Prime Video and there's a package that's out there where suddenly there's a Big Ten exclusive game on Prime. 
and you've already got what uh, primetime NBC for the Big Ten. It's true. So that's true. You've got CBS partnered up with uh, the Big Ten. It's uh, it just gives you though great late night inventory potentially with Oregon and Washington as well to add to USC and UCLA in that regard. Man. I can't believe that we're watching the death of the Pac-12. Maybe. Well, that's, yeah, now this is true. Allegedly. All, but I, and I, I got to be honest with you. I, I would love to be wrong on this, but I don't necessarily know if Arizona and Arizona State are a, a tag team, and I don't know if it all relies on if Utah comes with them either. I think the Big 12 would be happy with just Arizona. Can, would, the Pac-12 survive if only Arizona joins Colorado and the Big Ten basically makes the decision, yeah, uh, we're going to stay put. Maybe. Maybe. If Oregon – but see, here's the thing. You've always got to factor in. Oregon and Washington are always going to be looking to go to the Big Ten. <laughs> are always going to be looking to leave, right? So you make that – if you're Arizona State or – well, let's just use Arizona for this instance – you're committing to Oregon and Washington whenever you know they're always – like the strategic nature of this coming out right now, Josh, could not be better for the Big 12. Could not be better. Because if I'm Arizona and if, if there's that offer there for Arizona State and Utah, I'm like, why the hell am I going to stay with this? Sorry. Why the heck am I going to stay with this when you guys are trying to leave too? Let's go somewhere where we're wanted. Right. There's security. And, oh, by the way, our deal is better (laughs) than what we're going to get out here out west. So, yeah, I mean, for the Arizona States, if, again, as we discussed earlier, we know for one, right, we feel pretty confident that it would be a full share for an Arizona or Arizona State or Utah, whoever jumps first. If that's the same case for the next two that would follow, then, I mean, it would seem to be a pretty easy decision to make. Exactly. No way that Arizona and Arizona State or Utah want to stay. No way. And, you know, the bottom line is this. If you're Arizona or Arizona State, you're really about as close to a lot of these Big 12 schools anyways as yep. you are to all of those schools on the coast. So for them, it's, you know, now the UCFs and Cincinnati's obviously of the world, a uh, different story there. But for most everybody in the Big 12, the regionality factor is not altogether that much of a change for Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Yeah, and honestly, like I said, I never, ever, ever thought that we would be in a situation where we would watch the full-on death of a conference, but that's what's happening right before our eyes. It's done, man. And a proud conference. Proud one. An arrogant conference. All right, big story number two. Number two. One of the biggest stories in our world today has been monitoring the latest go boomer from Patty Gasso, where the uh, coach late last night texted, tweeted, sorry, go boomer, which has always been associated with the addition of a grad transfer or someone out of the portal. This morning, Extra Inning Softball reports that According to sources with knowledge of or close to Kelly Maxwell, the Oklahoma State pitcher is on her way to Oklahoma. This week, I'm sorry, this past season, before Oklahoma's game, the opener against Oklahoma State, I asked Coach Casso about Kelly Maxwell because she faced her a lot, right? And they were going to face her that night. 
Listen to what Coach Casso had to say back on May 4th about Kelly Maxwell. What what makes Kelly Maxwell so successful in what you've seen? Uh, I just I think she's still like she has that kind of attitude and I like it. Uh, I think she's very efficient, moving pitches, changing speeds. Uh, I don't know. She's so pinpoint. She's um, I really like her style and. I don't know her well or anything like that, but I just like the way she goes about her business. What, what's the advantage then? Is it that Oklahoma has seen her a lot, that she's seen Oklahoma, but in the same vein, it's kind of a new, different version of Oklahoma. Is there an advantage either way there? Uh, some of our upperclassmen know what to expect. I think JT knows what to expect as well. We've got a lot more video on her. Um, she's still absolutely outstanding, but at the same time, um, She's been seen a lot, so hopefully we can take advantage of that. But, I mean, I don't know. When you see some of the greatest pitchers, sometimes they just keep getting better. So we'll see. We've got a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. So hopefully one of those will work. Speaking of plan A plan B. Blake, shut up. Um, We saw that it worked for Oklahoma. But isn't it kind of wild, Josh, to look back now? I told this to... I told this to DJ Sanchez at the time, man. I said, you know, if, if Kelly Maxwell transfers, it would not surprise me at all to see her end up in Norman. Just in hearing the way, and this was at, this was in May. It's just you never know because there had been the John Barkfeld rumors about him potentially leaving. But, yeah, I am a, I'm absolutely fired up about this as a possibility for Oklahoma. And with, I think everyone uh, should be. With Bedlam, you know, the last couple of years being as high stakes as it's, as it's been, too, you know, it's to have those positive comments. It just goes to show that, I mean, coaches a lot of times, you know what I mean, they, they appreciate the opponent. They don't get as caught up in right. you know, Bedlam and rivalries and so on and so forth. All right, gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. There was a name that kept coming up during OU Media Day the other day as we are on the cusp of practices getting underway for Oklahoma Sooner football. I mean, dude, it, I mean, I guess we're here. It's going to be hot. But also, we brought this up at the end of Hour 2, and I want to go a little bit more in depth here in Hour 3, Josh, and that is, as I was writing my preview last night, Something about the names on the interior of the defensive line are fascinating. And when we come back, we'll tell you what Brent Venables, and you'll hear what Coach Venables had to say about one of those names, DeJon Terry, and how he could factor in for the Sooners in 2023 next, right here on The Wrap. So I'm working on, I'm working on my Boyd Street, OU preview. I want to get it done before I leave town on Saturday. Okay, sure. So, I this is usually, this is one of the longer pieces I write. But I also just don't want to make it one storyline or one angle for all like 5,000 words. So I broke it up into three different things. Top storylines, players to watch, what to expect. Okay, I like that. That's good, sure. Right, and so in other words, you could probably hit about four or five storylines, 
maybe four to five players. And what to expect can just be kind of a, hey, last year the defensive numbers did this, and your two Brent Venables, all, all these things that we've talked about and, and we've, we've dove into. But I, I bring this up because I feel like in top five, it, well, top story, I keep saying five. Everything is top five. I'm like the movie High Fidelity. But if I'm just laying out a top storyline, I feel like a player to watch falls in there too, right, in the interior of the defensive line. It, it's a storyline to be better in the trenches. It's a captain obvious thing, but is that a top storyline for this team, for you like it is for me? to be better in the interior? I think eh. the, the big overarching storyline is look at all these transfers we've brought in. Look at all these newcomers. Right. And in that, yes, there are several notable names, and that can spiral into its own conversation. You've got folks that were here. Jonah Laulu mm-hmm. s- switches from the outside in. So, you know, individually position groups for this team – defensive tackle no doubt and really the defensive line as a whole but defensive tackle I think is really really an intriguing group for Oklahoma in terms of where are they going how successful can they be right here right now one of those guys is Dejon Terry that has been brought up quite a bit now I'm not going to lie to you Josh whenever we talk about the the portal ads on the defensive tackle side of things you know, it was just in the timing of it, and we're talking a little OU football as, as camp's underway and rolling. Um, Isaiah Coe decided he was going to come back for another year. Devon Sears was an early ad, right, in the transfer portal. Very, very early. I mean, literally, I think Jacob Lacey was one of the first guys that we saw the Sooners grab out of the portal. And obviously he's been... Yeah, he's been battling the blood clot issue. And we expect big things from the Grayson Holtons and the Ethan and the um Kelvin Gilliams of the world. But just on the portal side of things specifically, I felt like when Phil Paya, uh, Paya and Dejon Terry were added, I mean it just it kind of seemed like it was really late in the process and wasn't necessarily ads that anyone spent a lot of time going, Whoa. Whoa, look at this. Look at this guy they've brought in. But in everything that you hear about him, it's incredibly positive. Well, it's one of the qualities I, I fell in love with him, you know, the first time I spoke to him. And then every conversation, uh, it was more of the same. And for me, connecting and having somebody that, even if you're faking it, you 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 think like, I want you to think. You're hungry, you're driven, you're ambitious, you're humble, you're tough, great focus, you're a guy that's about to work. And, man, every conversation I had and every question, you know, well beyond the field. I just wanted to find out who he was as a, as a human being, as a leader, as a young person chasing his dreams, uh, as a teammate. You know, that was, you know, important to me as well and to us. And, uh, and then he, he's, again, we haven't. Uh, done a whole lot yet on the field uh, with him, but he got all the other stuff right from a transition standpoint. And again, being a summer guy, uh, you don't have the, you know, the he doesn't have a resume with us yet. You know, when it comes to the plane and uh, the improvement and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but he's he's all those things I just said. 
and uh, that fits the mold of what we want. And again, to me, uh, his focus and his toughness and his ambition, ambition will make that group better. You know, I want that group to be the backbone of our football team. And, and, and it starts with attitude and love and passion for the game and the toughness that that position has to represent. And, uh, you know, and so we had some growing up to do at that position, in my opinion, you know, when we got here. And we, we're making progress and, and developing guys, and, uh, and we're, uh, we're still under construction. And I'll be honest, for as long as I'm the coach at Oklahoma, we'll always be under construction. And it, it ain't ever good enough. And there's always ways to improve and get better. And I want guys that are in love with that process, uh, that you really, it's, uh, when you hold that trophy up, that's a very anticlimactic moment and uh, the real, uh, you know, measure in uh, uh, life-lasting um, memories are everything you had to overcome, everything that you had to fight through, you know, the difficulties and the challenges along the way. That's relationships. That's what it's about to me. And to have guys that are running towards that, that, that hunger and that uh, inability to, you know, uh, to be satisfied, I mean, that's what I want. No matter what, man, they, they see you eye to eye. And we're getting more and more guys that, that have that. And, and I do believe you can develop that, but I think you have to have some, again, some, some natural and, again, intrinsic values that that's part of your belief system, whether you knew it or not before you came. So to me, Josh, what I took from that was in Dijon Terry, Bryn Venables is seeing a lot of those things. Or maybe he's laying out, hey, this is what I need to see. This is what you need to do. I, 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 I've twisted myself into knots going back and listening to that the other night. But it it just it seemed to me, and maybe I'm going glass half full, hey, we want that to be the backbone of the team. And then do you add a butt to it? Or is it you just kind of say, hey, he seems to be seeing those things in Dijon Terry? He, he definitely likes the, the leadership uh, portion of it and the – What's the buzzword? The intangibles, right? The intangibles, right. And right. and the football piece of it, let, let's figure that out. And obviously they liked uh, that enough mm-hmm. from watching the, the film and uh, the other bits and pieces that uh, they, they were able to scout. Not at Oklahoma yet, but uh, that's, that's about to – I mean, all of that's going on now and, and moving forward. So I think that's very positive. It's a positive start, if nothing else. Um. You know, it's it's interesting to me because as I'm is I'm going it's the best way to look at this. I think I'm going too generic, Josh. Because when I laid out just top storylines, here were the five the five things that I have for now. And you tell me if if there is something that I'm missing on this. By the way, our Camp coverage is brought to you by Neutral Vodka Seltzers. Still waiting for those chances to try it out. But you can easily go find them right now at your local liquor store. So here's my here's my five I have for now. And you tell me if we need to take away or add, okay? Got it. Yeah, let's hear them. Okay. New faces slash immediate impact. In other words, talking about the Bothroids, the Terrys, Andrew Anthony, Austin Stogner. Guys that are coming in that are expected to, to make an immediate impact. That was number one. Number two, getting better in the trenches. 
being able to, to run the ball how you want on the offensive side of things, being able to stop the run on the defensive side of things. Maybe I even changed that to, to running the ball and stopping the run, but getting better in the trenches. The third one, just overall improvement, right? And Coach Venables talks about it a lot, improvement in every area. Number four, foundational players. The guys, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what pro prospects look like for the Danny Stutzmans or the Billy Bowmans of the world, but foundational players. In other words, who's leading this team into the SEC? Who's going to be the guys that perform in 2023? And we're like, all right, here we go. Sure, this is this is one of our guys. This is a leader. This is someone we can build around. Right, and then my, my fifth thing was new skill players ready to shine. Because, you know, I was joking, uh, we played that Cover 3 podcast clip when they were talking about the Oklahoma win totals, and Chip Patterson said, you know, I look at Oklahoma's wide receivers, and outside of maybe a guy, I'm like, who are these guys? And I feel like that can be the same thing that's said for their running backs, but then he might have said the same thing for the running backs last year. New skill players ready to shine because – in Marvin Mims, you're replacing a lot in, you know, obviously what you saw Braden Willis become to this team and Eric Gray become to this team last year. You're replacing a lot. But, again, is that is that too generic? Or is that a fair way to lay it out when you're talking about, hey, you just can't look at one because it's across the board where you need these guys to step up? Yeah. I mean, obviously Oklahoma's got some legitimate questions there. I've – for a long time said I I'll legitimately worry about skill positions at Oklahoma when it's you know midway through proven that hey we got a problem at skill position at Oklahoma I just think that probably that's going to work itself out but hey going in outside of Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops there's not a bunch of proven production so it's going to be something people talk about Mm. and you need some of those outside guys to to be better. Hey, Carter asked a good question for the 405. Any news on Kobe McKenzie? I, I, I don't know if, if anything was really truly asked about him. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't sitting with Ted Roof the whole time during his meeting with the media. I haven't seen too terribly much. But, I mean, you reach this point to where you feel like you've almost asked about everyone because you think if you're, not, if you're asking about Kobe McKenzie, then I'm like, what about Kip Lewis? Because – this is a guy we heard a lot of buzz about, and they wanted him to continue to work on his body and get bigger and stronger. Has that worked? You know, has he gotten to the point where where he's in a position that he needs to be sure. to, to contribute more? I don't know. But what do you think of those storylines as the foundational piece of the Boyd Street preview? Any deletions or additions? I, I don't think so. Okay, go. What was the first? New faces, immediate impact. Okay, that's right, that's right. New faces, immediate guys. Uh, trenches, overall improvement, foundational players, skill guys. Right. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and the, the two things that I wrote down were year two mm-hmm. under Brent Venables and really for a lot of this staff, and then the final year before the SEC. I mean, I just think that each of those two pieces, and, and I mean, that can, that can be a part of your foundational players. Sure. I, you know, that to me is – that's the big story, right? I mean, that's what we're going to continue to hear the fan base talk about is, okay, what what growth have we seen from year one to year two? Is this thing ready to jump into the SEC? Love it. Quick break. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is hopping. We'll get to it next.
uh, on a day that has had a lot of news dropping during this show. We will learn the future of the Pac-12. I, for one, don't see how it can possibly survive, so I watch this league that I believe could exist and still survive, die, wrong, sad, uh, but its own arrogance is to blame. Uh, John Wilner reporting that we should know tonight what that future looks like. Uh, now we learn, according to Brandon Marcello, or Marcello, excuse me, that Washington has scheduled a special Board of Regents meeting for 11 o'clock Central Time tonight. I'll be in bed for that one, boys. I'll wake up to that one. And then we're following the Kelly Maxwell news. According to every single person that has a report of some sort of report out there, Kelly Maxwell is on her way to Oklahoma. We'll have all the details in your texts next, live from Cavens on a Thursday right here on The Ref. Do you know what I think? I think instead of foundational players, I think I'm going to use the term there, competitive depth, Josh. Because I feel like that's a buzzword that we've been hearing quite a bit heading into the 2023 season. Why don't you delete both of those and just type in, we're close. We're cl- No, stop. I don't want people to get mad at me. Not at all. Uh, can the Mark Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439? BA Fatboy writes, who gives a rat's behind what USC wants? Well, and in fairness, you know, maybe that's what the Big Ten's saying. It's like, hey, listen, you're, you're making a lot of money. You're in this league. This is to try to help you. And we'll see if the addition of Oregon and Washington. and Boy, the Stanford to Cal thing I find fascinating. But is it, again, something that ends up costing the Big Ten more in the short run or making more? I, there's no clause in their contract that says they can go back and and renegotiate. But well, and, Fox and runs the whole thing. Maybe that's what it boils down to is, hey, if everybody gets a full share and we keep this thing – Humming, even as we add schools, then sure, Stanford and Cal, you can come you can come play here too. But if the answer's no, then it's like, all right, well, maybe we'll revisit down the road. It's good from Chapstick. I'm guessing Fox will start matching for some Pac-12 schools, if only because they want to keep some West Coast footprint. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting side in this. How important are those late TV windows? You know, can you end up doing more with just network programming? And and by that, I mean post-game shows that you can air over and over than by having a 9 to 10 p.m. kickoff. Well, if it's Oregon, Washington, and Utah, they're pretty nice. Pretty good, yeah. If it's Arizona and Arizona State right now, uh, who gives a rip? Um, <laughs> I like this from the 417. It was – um. It was interesting because I had brought up some of the storylines or some of the players to watch for Oklahoma as I'm working on this preview for Boyd Street. The 417, which is, I believe, I know the 417 is in Missouri. Uh, I know it's not the 314, so that is in southwest Missouri. The 417 writes, Jackson Arnold. When he comes into backup DG next season and blows everyone's minds, becoming the start of the remainder of the year. Boy, there's a lot of you that are putting a lot on that as a possibility. A lot of you going with the old uh, Trevor Lawrence 
scenario here at Oklahoma. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if that's what everybody wants. I think everybody would like for Dylan Gabriel to have an incredible season and for Jackson Arnold to have himself a good Bryce Young type year. Bryce Young didn't play at all his freshman year. Redshirt. No, you know, I can't say. I, I don't know. But he redshirted his first year. Didn't play. And Mac Jones went out and Alabama won a national championship. And then he came back and was pretty good and won a Heisman Trophy. I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting and learning your first year. But there are, as we mentioned, there are special players, Josh, that just you can't keep them off the field as freshmen. Tommy Harris, Adrian Peterson, C.D. Lamb, Trevor Lawrence. Go across college. I, mean, I brought this up last year. No one ever wants to listen to me. But go back through Georgia and Alabama's 2D. There weren't a lot of true freshmen that were playing. But there were a couple of guys who were on there, and you're like, okay, those guys are special, right? Few and far between. It's okay for those dudes to sit and learn. But in the same vein, they're special dudes. Tulsa Boomer. Right, anything you want to add to that, Josh? I'm sorry. Whatever it comes to Arnold and what seems Nothing to be Nothing groundbreaking, okay. but ideally, yes, it's best if those folks sit and learn. But every once in a while, right, you get your, your CD lamb or you name it. There's dudes that you just can't keep them off the field. And we'll see. Maybe maybe Jackson is that guy. I don't know. I hope he is. I hope Dylan Gabriel's fantastic, and we don't have to worry about it. Uh, Tulsa Boomer. The Pac-12's arrogance has cost them their conference. They totally overestimated their value. They have no one to blame but themselves. True. Correct response, Tulsa Boomer. It's and just, it's killing me. It's just crazy, though, too, because really Sankey and Warren and everybody – Took the Larry Scott model. I mean, he almost did it playing. Yeah, he did. He he almost did it. He was just legit Texas wanting its own network and obviously that control of third-tier rights away from getting it done. I wonder where we would be if that had been the case. <laughs> I wonder if Oklahoma and Texas still went up in the SEC. No, I don't know, man. I mean, I think oh, no. you, I think you're talking about a completely different world where maybe the Ohio States, Michigans, and whatever are joining the Pac-12. Mm. So close. I I just want to make this very clear. I hate this. I hate this so much because I have to basically take a big L on this. Because I I honestly thought the Pac-12 can make it. I didn't realize how poorly run they truly were. I didn't realize whenever they first went to the TV networks that the number that they put in front of them was a Big Ten-type number that they wanted. Unbelievable. And 5808 writes, Keith Jackson died just in time. Hashtag RIP Pac-12, RIP Rose Bowl, RIP Wognelli. Yeah, speaking of arrogance, what in the world is the Rose Bowl going to do? Holy smokes, man. Holy smokes. All right, we got a break. Uh, when we have I mean, Stafford, Stanford and Cal can join the Mountain West. <laughs> All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show. We are at Cavens Group. Steelman's rolling in here next, too, on the Home Sooner Fans. I want to thank Gary and the crew here at Cavens for having us out today. Steelman's coming up next. As always, you can check out CavensGroup.com. That's CavensGroup.com. So, Josh, we get NFL tonight, the Browns and the Jets. We'll have camp reports, and as always, they're brought to you by Neutral Seltzer. Um, but I wonder if tomorrow we're coming in and it's a completely different world for college football as far as what the conference setup looks like. You think that's the case? 
You think we get some earth-shattering seismic shifts here tonight? Or do you think it's just Arizona to the Big 12 and the Pac-12 continues their negotiations? Hashtag or Friday news dump. Yeah. Yeah. I I get the uh, – I know it feels like we're – we're right at the uh, eruption here that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, things are bubbling and, and here we go. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's going to take a little bit longer on all fronts. Yeah. I do too. Then again, I, we, you know, there's, you know, executive well, here's happening. And here's the other thing, you know, you can have most, I'm just blown away how much some of this is playing out in public. I really, truly am, and how much isn't, right? What's going on behind the scenes right now that we don't know? Well, and who's controlling the narrative, do you think? Is it uh, the Big 12 offices? I'll tell you what, right now, the timing of this Big 10 leak could not be better news for the Big 12. If it's just Arizona or if it's all, you know, for the corner schools, there is no better way to kind of set the sense of instability than to think that your two remaining big dogs are on the verge of going somewhere else. Right. You know, true or false. Mm. And re- and let's remember one other thing, too, peeps. These decisions are not made on the athletic level or on social media. They're made at the presidential and regent level. And if you're to believe what's out there, the Arizona State president really wants to see the Pac-12 survive. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I do, too, because I just want to be right about one thing one time. You'll have a great rest of your day. Josh and I will be back in studio tomorrow. Thanks to Cavens and the crew. Steelman's next on The Ref.